This is a dispatch from Buffalo 2, June 10th, 2021. Just over three years ago, there was a rip in the space-time continuum, creating this reality. Around that time, in the spring of 2018, the Buffalo Sabres were in dire straits, having finished last overall in the NHL three years after tanking to get someone who was supposed to turn their franchise around. In our world, the Buffalo Sabres took the advice of thousands of analytical-driven people on Twitter and hired an analytics guy just to say no to big trades that would be disastrous for the franchise. In some ways, this helped reel in the Easter Island head masquerading as a GM. Elsewhere in our universe, people are enthralled with the celebrity drama surrounding the Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly joining a thruple with Derek Roy. Meanwhile, Buffalo Mayor Kevin O'Neill has declared that there's an end to COVID and we should get on with our lives. And Olivia Rodrigo's hit single, Learner's Permit, has men and women of all ages in their feelings about the times they failed their driver's ed classes. And of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs have still not advanced in the NHL playoffs. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free to play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign on to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. Promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And on the heels of a very sad, disappointing, but ultimately thrilling ride, the Sabres are now out of the playoffs after losing to the New York Islanders in six games after a huge upset of the Washington Capitals in the first round in six games. So with the season now being over, Taylor and I wanted to take a look back at how the last three years have really transpired when at a time back in 2018, the Sabres end up winning the draft lottery and being in last place. And it seemed like Ryan O'Reilly potentially was going to be out the door. And it seemed like the rebuild of the tank that brought us Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart was completely off the rails. So as I had said before, we want to take a look back at these past three years and see how we just got to this point where we went from being the worst team in the NHL to now, even though it's obviously disappointing to see that the Sabres are out of the playoffs, a playoff team. And looking ahead to next season, this team looks pretty damn good, Taylor. Yeah, definitely. This is easily the best season since 2007, which is fantastic. But it really wasn't that long ago. It was only three years ago, even though with COVID, it feels like 100. Uh, They were despondent. We were despondent and they were terrible. You know, it was year three of the Jack Eichel era, O'Reilly, Kane, Reinhardt. This is the year that they should have been a solid playoff team in 2018. And they were the worst team in the league. And it wasn't even that close. And it was right from the jump. They were terrible. They were terrible the whole way. Robin Leonard was a disaster and that obviously we know now why that happened. Uh, Evander Kane wasn't all that good. It was just, it was a terrible season and Phil Housley's first season, it was awful. And what happened that summer? I think it was a really key. There was, it was a really a turning point. Things could have really gone sideways. It really could have. I think winning the draft lottery was huge for our morale, but the biggest, most important thing that transpired that summer is Jason Bottrell did not listen to 
the legions of fans that wanted to trade Ryan O'Reilly just, just to do something. Right. Right. And, you know, going back to that almost fateful day where he had made the comments about losing his love for the game. You know, I, I think what I really appreciated the most about what has transpired from that and, and Botterill himself, you know, it's, it's seeing where they are at now. I mean, you have to give him some credit, but one of the things I really do give him credit for is that he had looked at that moment as an opportunity for the team to kind of come together. He's, you know, in a couple of press conferences, he had said, he's like, well, what do you expect? Do you want this guy to be happy about losing and finishing in last place in a season where we were supposed to be a playoff contender? And so, you know, I, I, for as many, you know, blunders as he may have in press conferences, that's one thing that really stood out to me is just being able to have his players back and not using him as a scapegoat because God, can you have imagined like three years ago, like having to deal with the thought of them actually trading Ryan O'Reilly just because he said he lost his love for the game when the team was terrible. I mean, what a bonehead decision that would have been if they would have made that trade. I'm sure they would have got at least one decent piece for him. You think? I mean, yeah, probably. Duh, he's I mean, a perennial two-way yeah. point per game center. Why in the world would they not? Like, a- absolutely. I think what what's crazy about that time and why it was such a minefield is that the first three years, let's say year three, even specifically, Eichel had gotten better at a 200 foot game by that point, but he wasn't fantastic. Obviously, he was young. He was only 22 at the time by the team by the time that season ended. So yeah, he wasn't like a monster potency. He wasn't a Patrice Bergeron type of guy, but he was putting the puck in the net. Meanwhile, and he and obviously another disclaimer, he did miss time that year as well. That's kind of important. O'Reilly was the let's say he's maybe not a first line center. He's a first line center in most teams, but maybe not a top 10 first line center. I think we would agree. He he's the kind of guy, if he can be your second line center, you are more than all set. And what they really needed was Eichel to earn the title of first line center. And he did that basically over the past three seasons, he's become fantastic in his own zone, a great possession guy. His underlying numbers are fantastic. And he's more than a point a game guy by being almost a half a goal a game guy. That's, that's fantastic. And I think if people could have saw that that was going to happen, then they would, they would know like, okay, just hold on to O'Reilly. But that kind of brings me to another smart move, although it was short term. They did that season to kind of make fans feel like there was something worth tuning into. They made a great trade for Jeff Skinner. They did. Uh, he had one year left on his deal in Carolina. They only traded Cliff Poo, Cliff, excuse me, Cliff Poo a second and a fourth. Mm-hmm. And they got Skinner in a sixth. Back, yeah, I believe that's a good deal. Uh, as we'll get to later, he's no longer with us. Uh, but that that really worked for that season. And I think one of the things too, that's big about that is everybody was okay. Given the state of the team at that point to, to make a move like that and to take a shot at a guy like Sinner. I mean, again, you're coming off of uh, at that point, finishing in last place in the league and you needed to do something to bring in a guy to try and get some energy in there and and charge things up. And, And Skinner, as we had known at the time, you know, was one of the best five on five goal scorers in the league. He came in, he did what he was brought in to do. It just, kind of so happened that the next moves that had followed had prevented them from re-signing him because as we had then learned he was asking for a lot of money that the Sabres probably pretty wisely did not end up giving him given where we're at today absolutely so going from there another big move that offseason uh was goaltending so Robin Leonard had a very tough year in 2017-18 we come to find out later he was dealing with mental health issues as well as alcoholism which explains He's on ice play and he rebounded for the Islanders and now Vegas also briefly Chicago in there. So he's played well and he's a solid goalie, but obviously he needed a, a clean break from Buffalo and Buffalo needed a clean break from him. Now, another uh, way they, they averted disaster, I think is they almost bought into the hype on Carter Hutton having one good, less than a half season in St. Louis where he was a nine thirty goalie in 33 right. starts. Uh as what, a, what was he at the time? Like a 31-year-old or something like that? That was his age 32 season. Yeah, so. So Oof. they were in talks to give him a three-year deal. Now, at the same time, Boston was in talks with Yaroslav Halak, but would only give him two years. He's a little bit of an older guy at the time. He was even older than Hutton, but much more of a track record. And wisely, the Sabres decided to go with him instead of Hutton uh, for a three-year deal. And he became their starter for the next two years and a backup this past year. Uh, that was another another burning disaster. Carter Hutton is uh, uh, no longer in the NHL. Uh, he got mm-hmm. he ended up getting a two year deal and getting bought out, and uh, yeah, that's that for him now. I mean, we'll probably never see him again, and I guess he won't be seeing a lot of anything. Right. Um, 
So, and then a couple, just a couple other things. Uh, you know, a lot of the, they did keep a lot of the pieces intact, but I think with the idea that you could have a goaltender that's like, you say you jump 20 points in save percentage just by having a pretty average goalie or a guy that's pretty good. And you know, your shooting lock <laughs> has to turn around a little bit. Now, another guy that came up that year after one year in college was Casey Middlestad. Yeah, I was, you know, really impressed by him too, because the thing that was great is you see how many franchises do this and it always ends up in disaster where you have a draft pick that maybe there's some promise there, but they're not exactly like a sure thing, like a guy who's taken up in the top of the first round who immediately comes into the NHL. And what was nice is just the benefit of having O'Reilly is just being able, and Eichel for that matter, as your one-two punch is that you're able to insulate a guy like Middlestad and play him in third line minutes. And that's exactly what they did that year. And maybe right off the bat, he didn't have the numbers that you would want out of a first round pick, but I would say knowing what we know now, and again, we'll get to this once we catch up, but having a guy who's a third liner, who's seemingly now, you know, as we saw this season and looking into the future, going to be a, uh, 20 20 40 guy i mean that out of an eighth overall pick when they're playing on the third line i'll take that any day yeah absolutely so it was it was i mean and you can't overstate how important it was that they didn't just feed him to the wolves and just try and make him play in something that he in a spot that he clearly was not well positioned enough for right and he obviously he you know slowed down over the course of the season right like no doubt in he's he did need ahl time but i think that they were didn't embarrass him or anything like that because they didn't come in and like make people think he was going to be a Calder finalist right away or that he was going to, this is our second line center or something like, yeah. which if they traded O'Reilly, they might've had to at some point. Right. You and know, it was, they didn't trade him for a second line center, which I can't imagine they would have. No. But. Well, I, and, and that was the thing. It's the, it's the, it's the best thing that could have been for him, you know, because when he did come up originally, you know, it was good that he was able to get insulated on the third line, but you could tell that he needed to work on his conditioning a bit. And I think he was really able to do that in Rochester. He bulked up a bit too, helped with the skating a lot. And just having that, you know, after really only uh, how long was he in Rochester for what? Like, a, I mean, he played out the rest of that year and then he was up the night. I mean, you, you saw the difference from yeah. the 1819 to the 1920 season. Absolutely. For sure. And I think his confidence was a huge part of that. Another thing, uh, Zach Bogosian had missed a lot of the 2017, 18 season due to his various ailments. Uh, and he was not the same guy coming back and Lawrence pilot. Uh, formerly of the KHL, stepped in and started playing some third-pairing minutes. And they really weren't afraid to sip a Gosian if they felt he was uh, not up to it or if if they had, you know, if, if Pilot was more ready to go, which I thought was a good move. Pilot's, he's, he's not an all-star, but he's a solid puck-moving guy and someone that, you know, they their defensive core was young. So in some ways it was good to lean on Bogosian, but at other times it was good to just have speed in there. Uh, so the season... They are, well, we all agreed at the time, even though it was a lot of fun, they were very lucky with a hot streak throughout November of 2018. Uh, they uh, won 12 games in a row. A lot of those are in overtime. Mm-hmm. Yaroslav Halak was better than he'd ever been. We, we knew he'd be pretty good in an upgrade on the year before, but nobody thought that he would be uh, like a 935 goalie through November the way he was. Mm-hmm. So after Thanksgiving, the Sabres are what, like 19-5-1, and one, I think it was. They're, right. they're the best team in the NHL. And then the slide starts to happen, which we all knew it would. It wasn't too dramatic. It was just over the course of the year, it was like loss here, loss there. And it's like, it it felt a little bit more like their true talent level. Uh, Frankly, we all felt that Rastos was still lying and was playing too much. He was playing about 28 minutes a game with young guys like Darlene in there. It it somewhat made sense. Montour, you know, was playing a lot with Ristolainen. in. McCabe was hurt a little bit that year. So, but still, there were some serious problems. Obviously their goaltending wasn't that good all year. They didn't keep winning constantly. Jeff Skinner is pretty, really hot at the beginning of the year. Wasn't quite as hot by the end. Uh, but hey, 30, 33 goals is still nothing to slouch about though for Skinner. I mean, Oh, absolutely. That was pretty, that's very sad. Even though of course, you know, he, he did have that really long dry spell, but that was the kind of player that we knew we were getting, you know, absolutely. even though he was a top, you know, a top end five on five guy, he admittedly is streaky. We all knew that, but Either way, 33 goals out of that for even one season to get, I don't know, it felt like we all kind of got the life back into us a little bit after that season. Absolutely. I mean, it was disappointing in April when there was a huge bunch up for the playoffs and we ended up being on the outside of that. It was, you know, it was weird. We we were bouncing from like eighth to 12th in a single night. And it ended up that we were like 11th or 12th and we finished with 94 points. Disappointing to not make the playoffs when you're that close. However, they were uh, 30 something points better than they had been the year prior. And 
there's no underrating that. It seemed like they were in some ways like back as a franchise. This is the first time that they felt like they were even a real NHL team since probably 2011, 12, uh, which is saying, saying a lot. Cause that team wasn't even all that great either. Uh, but the off season, we knew there was, it was going to be a big off season, huge. And just days after, uh, unexpectedly, Phil Housley resigned his position mm-hmm. uh, to console his wife. She had had a really hard time with how badly she lost in the uh, United States Senate race in Minnesota to replace Al Franken that took place that previous November. Right. So we how, all understood. How crazy is it, the fall off that they really had the Housleys? I mean, they go from, you know, being a Senate candidate and being an NHL coach to them being arrested at the January 6th Capitol riots. I mean, that I, is I unbelievable. I, you know, I, I knew that they were more conservative, but I, I, I always thought he was a pretty mild mannered guy. I mean, he showed way more tenacity at those riots than he ever did as a, wasn't a even close for the Buffalo Sabres. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But let's really get to stunning. this off season though, because there's, I mean, I mean, this is pivotal this yes, off season. This, this is the spring of spring and the summer of 2019. So the, we, we all, we, uh, weirdos and analytics nerds, we all want Raquel Groenberg, Ricard Groenberg, we excuse did. me, uh, he seems like a really interesting, fun, out of the box hire. A lot of people wanted Ralph Kruger, which would have been interesting, I think. But I mean, then again, I mean, the, the guy being out of the league for that long, though, I mean, even he, if he's a soccer know. president, right? And right. Uh, and you know, I mean, he now he's in the league one, the third division with Southampton. They've had a, a tough run. They just fired him. That's tough. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I hope uh hope he catches on somewhere else, and I hope Southampton uh, can get back up to at least the championship division. Um, but yeah, so they hire Dave Tippett, who's kind of a boring hire. But he's been moderately successful in the past. He's the kind of guy who you know your team isn't going to be like Ron Ralston bad. Right. You know what I mean? Or even Phil Housley's first year or Ted Nolan. Mm-hmm. He's a competent guy. Even when he was, aside from the one year in Arizona when they were t- deliberately tanking, he really, really like wanted, he, he, he's always been like teams that are like on the cusp of the playoffs or at least always playing to their talent level, even going back to his days in Dallas. Yeah. So the draft happens. They are in the middle of the first round, which is not where you want to be. But I think we're all happy with who fell to them. A, a little little fellow by the name of Cole Caulfield. Right. With the 14th overall pick. And uh, I mean, at the time too, going into the draft, people were saying that he had the possibility of being a top 10 pick, you know, and, and rightfully so. We had seen people make the exact same mistake with Alex DeBrincat where they were scared off because of his size. But when it comes down to it, if you have elite shooting ability, sign me up. And clearly they made the right call with picking up Caulfield in the draft. Absolutely. At 14 overall, the that way is he played a the bargain. This year, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's a guy well, who can put the puck in the net. Right. Oh, sure. yeah. And they weren't deterred by his size, which I was happy to see. Thank God. Absolutely. And then a huge, maybe the most important trade they did make. We've been talking ones they didn't make. Here's one they did make. Just after the draft, right before free agency, they trade Rasmus Ristolainen a 2022nd and 2024th for Nikolaj Ehlers, Ehlers and Jack Roslovich of the Winnipeg Jets. And this, Brendan, was a, a huge trade. Changed everything. The Jets, from their perspective, uh, they were looking, they were worried Dustin Buffalo might retire, which he did. They lost Tyler Myers. They had traded Jacob Truba. He re- requested a trade. They lost Sherriott, I believe his name is, Yep. to Ottawa, I think. Yep. If I remember correctly, I believe you're right. All of a sudden, they went from being a really good defensive team to like having no one, which is why they signed our old friend Dmitry Kulikov. It's why Josh Morrissey is their number one. They needed, a, they wanted a big guy to replace Buffalo, and they wanted a big guy to replace Myers. So they got, they got their big guy, and they gave up what they thought probably were excess forwards. Now, in hindsight, I think they'd much rather have Ehlers than Ristolaya the way he played for us this year. Right. And an important thing to bring up too here is with bringing in Ehlers and his salary, that essentially priced them out of being able to re-sign Skinner. Absolutely. And I think that ended up being the smart move. Skinner, I agree. Skinner's good, but he was really good for a while. He's the best even strength scorer, one of the best even strength scorers, I should say, of the 2010s. Uh, but the 2010s, are they're over. And it's, it's really smart in this sport to not pay for past production no matter how important it seems at the time. Ehlers is a guy that he's much younger, obviously. He can score some. He gets assists. He, you know, he, he's productive, but he's really good in his own zone. His underlines are great. He makes other players around him better. He carries play when he's on the ice, and that's as a winger. He's the perfect guy to play with O'Reilly, and I'm so glad those guys are playing together. Such a smart move. Ristolainen, meanwhile, he's taking on big minutes in Winnipeg, and they made the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. you know, still. 
basically because of how good Connor Hellebuck is. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, their first pair was Ristolainen and Neil Poink, which was the return, the main piece of the return, I should say, in the Jacob Truba trade. Yeah. And that's not an ideal first pair. As, as we know in Buffalo, new for several years, Ristolainen on the first pair usually means things are going to be a bad time. The difference, though, as you had said, is that they have one of the three best goalies in the world on their team. Yeah, that was that was huge for them. To be when they got Hellebuck. I mean, that's that, that allowed them to make 100 mistakes and still be a playoff team. Must be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, like you alluded to, Skinner was gone, and he signed in Montreal mm-hmm. for big, big money. And that's tough because they already had big money committed to Carey Price, and they already have big money committed to Shea Weber. Skinner only over the past two years, although shortened seasons, sure, he only has 39 goals combined over the last two years. That's Not great. They can't be too happy with the amount of money that he's getting paid. I feel bad. I like the guy. I mean, too. He was great. I mean, I loved having him in in his Sabres uniform, you know, and that was the thing. I would have loved to have him back, too. I mean, again, 33 goals, nothing to slouch about. And especially too looking at the, you know, the other options that we have at forward. But the thing is, is that I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but the Sabres have some pretty great depth. So he kind of became expendable in a way. And when he priced himself out, and I think another big part of this, too, especially with this offseason, it kind of goes back to the, it's a move that they did make, but also ones that they avoided making the bottom six, a lot of reasons to, you know, be concerned because you needed to really fill that out. Again, depth is something that throughout the drought, the Sabres really never had in terms of the forward corps and they seemingly dodged a bullet. Um, and they dodged that bullet because they, they brought back Jason Pominville again and Absolutely. keeping him around. I think, Really made all the difference, you know. And he was a late summer signing. They didn't want to bring him Right. It was very late in the game. And and aside from, of course, the obvious production that he still is able to, you know, put out there in his late 30s, just having him in the locker room, I think, was was essential to that team and just being able to weather the storm. I mean, you have a young captain, you know, not to say that you didn't have other veterans in the room because, of course, O'Reilly, but... I mean, look at the rest of that uh, that forward corps at the time. You know, Ehlers, still very young. Sam Reinhart, young. Eichel, even though he's the captain, young. Casey Middlestack, young. So you needed to have that veteran presence in there. And, I mean, Pominville's a really likable guy, and it was good to see him get to wear a letter again, too. Which oh, was absolutely. really nice. Do you remember who the uh, guys that they were considering bringing in over the summer were? Yeah, I, I know one of them was Jimmy VC, Which is, they'd have to trade for him. They were going to give up another know. pick to get Jimmy VC. What are you thinking? A second time? Ridiculous. What kind of idiots They also were that? considering Marcus Johansson, who I, I just think Pominville is a better option than him. I don't think he's all that great. Well, yeah. I mean, because the thing, too, is Johansson, the problem with him is that people couldn't decide whether he was going to get signed to be a center or a winger. And I know in his current situation now with Minnesota, he's kind of flexing a little bit between the two. But I didn't really want any part of that. You know, I, it's as we had learned with Billy Leno, trying to go all in on a guy because they had good playoff production the year prior. Maybe not the best idea. Absolutely. And Billy Leno, at this, you know, this these past year or so has really turned around. He, he came out with his own line of COVID masks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, face masks to wear during this past year and a half. Unbelievable. I don't know if you've heard about this. He's oh. the best selling COVID masks in Europe. Can you believe that? Good for him. It's incredible. You know what? Is even... when, we, when he first got into like design and stuff, it was, he went viral for that thing about this is how I felt about playing in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know, a burning city or whatever and crying. Right. But like, he turned out to be a pretty talented designer. Good he did. Him. And it's also nice too, that they were able to mend the relationship because when that came out, I mean, people in Buffalo, we always get very defensive of the city when people trash it, but it was really nice that they had welcomed him back too for that one game where he kind of led the, led the guys out on the ice. And uh, it, it just felt like a nice way to mend a relationship that desperately needed mending. Absolutely. So another move in the off season that I think we both liked was they traded Alex Nylander, who was always kind of an ill-advised draft pick from the Tim Murray era, flipped him for Henry Yokiharu, good third pairing defenseman, second pairing if you need him uh, from Chicago. That's worked out pretty well these past two years. And then, uh, well, let's get into the season a little bit. It was, it was interesting. Only a few weeks in uh, with all this defensive depth they have, uh, Zach Bogosian comes back from another injury and last year they were kind of putting him in the box a little bit this year they gave him a little bit to see if they could get some trade value then putting him on waivers and he clears waivers stunningly i think his contract kind of put some teams off because 100 it was the contract yeah if it's the trade deadline maybe someone takes that on which well i guess that did happen because he went to 
went down to Rochester, played there, and he really showed a lot of leadership down there in Rochester and took all took this all in stride. And I guess Tampa was impressed because they traded a conditional seventh round pick for him, and that condition paid off because they won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, good for them and good for Bogosian, I guess. He's uh, just being uh, able to get him yeah. off the books in a trade was that was that was great. amazing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then you know, a couple other things from the season. A really interesting thing that emerged. We have all our eyes on these forwards. Uh, guys we expect to be high scoring guys. And, you know, who really almost stole the show early in the year was the log line. Mm-hmm. Larson, Oposo, and uh, Zemgus Gergensen's fantastic defensive line. And even Larson even drove play a little bit as a center in the, in the offensive zone. That was, it was a fascinating line, but nobody got too obsessed with that, obviously, because there was a lot of production in the top six and it was, it was a fun year. So, you know, maybe if the team wasn't as good, we might focus more on this fourth line. Right. right. Yeah. There was, there's no need for that, but you know, I wanted to shout them out because they did, they all did their jobs well this year. Uh, the defense this year, I, I wasn't thrilled with or th- this past year, I should say, right. 1920. I wasn't thrilled with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they kind of scored enough and, and the Allmark and Halak were both good enough that it didn't really matter. Right. And I think also too, something that we kind of skimmed over with the forwards, which was maybe the biggest personnel move that wasn't a trade or a free agent signing that after a couple of years of everybody asking for it, finally Dave Tippett came around and was the one who tried Sam Reinhardt out at center. Yes, so you forgot. moved him to third line center and then you're rolling an Eichel O'Reilly and Reinhardt center, which again, I mean, and Larson at Ford is Larson as your yeah. fourth. I mean, that's a, that is, <laughs> as we now know, that is a definite playoff contending center, uh, center core down the middle. So, I mean, Larson, obviously, you know, again, credit where it's due, he deserves it, but that top, three centers of, of Eichel O'Reilly and Reinhardt who baby I am very excited to see where things are going to go next season with those three I know I always forgot it just it, it feels crazy that Reinhardt even played winger in the NHL at any point I know it feels so distant to me um another thing is Olafson uh came up finally uh after you know he, he was about five years after his draft year and he was a seventh round pick so sixth round pick I forget which one great to have him up you know, it's kind of like found money, really. The Sabres don't ever really get anyone outside the first round to mm-hmm. be decent. And he was good. He he was really a power play specialist. He played on the third line. He hasn't been great at even strength. They probably played him a little too much at even strength, but he pops in power plays goals like crazy. And yeah, uh, that's been good to see. I mean, he's shown very quickly, too. Yeah. I mean, even though he's not like, well, at the time, he wasn't like a young rookie. He as a rookie still established himself as having without question, probably one of the top five shots in the league. Yep. Just an incredible shot. And it's nice too, because with a guy like that, I mean, especially on a team like the Sabres now where, you know, you have that depth that we keep talking about the the problem that could have transpired with a guy like Olofsson is where you're forcing him to play up the lineup and maybe like a first or second line role where you're giving him big five on five minutes and a guy like that who doesn't exactly have the best defensive impacts, I mean, that's going to hurt you. And so the fact that they had that depth and were able to stick him on the third line with Casey and Sam, I think was huge, huge yeah. for him, not giving him too much. You have Sam too, who, I mean, he had shown over the past few years, Reinhardt, just that how much better he was improving in his defensive play, but then moving him to center, it was like, he took a whole new, it took it to a whole new level. And that really alleviated a lot of the, pressure off of Olafson too for being a rookie who's again does is, is just not good at defense yeah absolutely uh, so the Sabres are really rolling throughout this season and they're they're about to have a big game in Montreal and boom COVID hits mm-hmm. and things get shut down and it's like we're having this fun season we're gonna seem seemingly gonna make the playoffs for the first time potentially make the playoffs for the first time in in years in nine years and the season indefinitely paused we didn't know if they were going to come back there was a lot of uh hemming and hauling maybe we'll only bring like eight teams to this this potential bubble they were thinking of happening then it was like maybe we'll bring every team maybe we'll bring 24 teams it was so crazy but they did end up bringing 24 teams Sabres didn't necessarily need that but it, it worked out well for them they finished uh since they considered their regular season over at that point they finished 36 25 and 8 with 80 points obviously they've had better point seasons but their point pace Hey, they haven't been on that kind of point pace in I don't know how long, yep. forever, really. Uh, so they get matched up in the first round uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are a scrappy team. They've been in the playoffs a few times. And they beat Columbus in five games. They won a playoff series. Yeah, it was a tough five games. Imagine too. just like – That was a tough uh, series. 
I, I'm just thinking back to to that moment. It was just, I, I mean, I them getting into the playoffs in the first place was obviously but great. It, it was a little bit of a letdown was, to have it just be like, hey, just we're announcing this right. Months that, later, you're that's in the playoffs. Exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Right. That where it's like, yeah, it felt good, but it didn't feel like real i get like all the way real you know where it was yeah. you know i wanted them to like cross the finish line and make the playoffs but again at that point nine years i mean beggars can't be choosers but the columbus series just the feeling of pure elation after them winning that and actually getting to them experience them winning a playoff series i mean my god but yeah it was incredible. incomparable to anything yeah you know? it was still strange like watching an empty arena it was happening in canada it was a really strange experience, but it was like, it was the first time, you know, during the pandemic that we were like, something, something goddamn good happened finally. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, imagine if the Sabres were a disaster while everything else was happening. Can you imagine that? I, 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 I just wanna, wouldn't even I would just want to die. Are you kidding me, Taylor? We wouldn't be doing this podcast still. What kind of idiots would we be? <laughs> oh imagine god. if this signing season... on for another year. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Wait, what if, if the Sabres actually like finished last this year and had a 10-year playoff drought what kind of morons absolute idiots. absolute idiots would want to have a buffalo sabers podcast yeah. like well, for a team that oh god i can't was, even imagine it was you know it's funny because i think we kind of left this out we had been podcasting on our in the old rickston view days mm-hmm. during during the really tough 2017-18 season not just a sabers podcast at the time obviously and then started to focus more on the Sabres over the course of the 18-19 season. And that's when the Hockey Podcast Network happens, last season happens, and it's like, hey, maybe this is fun. Maybe. We're a Sabres podcast now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Yeah, it was pretty it, cool. It's, it's got, you know, if, if they had had a bad 18-19 season, like if they had, let's say, I don't know, really collapsed after that hot start, yeah, never would have done a Sabres podcast. Never would have agreed to that. God, it's ridiculous. No. God, no. Um, but anyway, the next round, unfortunately – uh, did not go as well. We played Washington and lost in six. Uh, the big bright spot of the playoffs to me was Jack Eichel, 16 points in 11 games. He loved the bright lights, the spotlight of his, uh, his first uh, postseason appearance. Not shy away from it at all. Offense was a little bit stagnant outside of him, but that was nothing out of the ordinary. Right. I mean, the O'Reilly Ehlers line held its own, but didn't really pop enough pucks into the net. The nice thing to see, too, about Jack, I will say, like, obviously the production is one thing, but seeing him getting to play in a big game and having just that chip on his shoulder and just playing with a, a, a meanness and a tenacity on top of just his, you know, skill that is just was miles above everybody else too. in this, and especially in the Columbus series, but even in the Washington series, I mean, he really stood out. So getting to kind of see that combination of both like skill and then also just like the mean streak that he was playing with to finally get to the chance to play in the playoffs. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was pretty cool to see. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think anyone was really too upset about the uh, losing in six to the Capitals. They are obviously the better team. I know the cat, the better team doesn't always win, especially when that team's the Capitals, Mm -hmm. but you can't be too mad about that. And I think after that, a lot of fans were like, okay, let's see that not necessarily in a real season, but in a a time when we can hang out and enjoy ourselves, go to bars, maybe eventually get to playoff games. And then the fall and winter happened in America. And it was like, are we ever going to see people again? You know, mm-hmm. like the way COVID was going, it was really, we were really in dire straits. It was a really tough time. Obviously we know now that things went, went well, but again, another, uh, another thing that, you know, kind of uh, was a good distraction for us was the Sabres. Yeah. And during the, during the uh, COVID shutdown, it became clear to us that Pagula sports and entertainment uh, was not doing great financially, no. nor were the Pagulas in general. There's a lot of written on this. Uh, a lot of their employees got fired. They had to shut down 716, fired everyone. The bathhouse fired everyone. All, just in general, they were laying people off left and right. Luckily for, I mean, you know, God, good luck to all those people. That's terrible to have happen to you. But I guess luckily for sports fans, uh, it seems like the Sabres and Bills actual sports operation departments were largely unaffected by this. There was some non-hockey operations yeah and there were some cutbacks in the hockey department a lot on scouting which Mm -hmm. we were upset about we did a whole episode about how it's a terrible idea but i guess their their thought was that there'd be a lot less hockey happening right juniors overseas Mm -hmm. and in college this year big off season though still in spite of that despite the the challenges that were presented by covid heading into uh, this past season that we of course just wrapped up pretty big off season with one big free agent signing that I think we all know, and one really big re-signing that was probably two years too late, but yep. still they got it done. 
Yes. Well, the big, so the big free agent signing, they signed Taylor Hall to a one year, 8 million, like kind of prove it contract. Yep. I think he was looking for a long-term deal. And with the COVID market and the flat cap, that wasn't going to happen, especially in a short off season. So he said, Hey, I'll play next to Jack Eichel for a year and maybe you're in a big contract. And Hey, maybe he will, mm-hmm. I guess that's still undecided. And then yes. You want to talk about our, our boy, Sam Reinhardt, our boy, Sam Reinhardt, you know, going back, well, now it'd be three years. So when he had gotten that initial bridge deal for two years, I think everybody was pretty upset about that at the time, because with a younger player like that, it, it just makes so much sense when they showed the kind of promise that Sam showed to make that commitment to them and let them, you know, pretty much outplay what you end up signing them for at the time, you know, sign them for less when they're younger. And then that way they can kind of out, hopefully they outplay it. They only did the bridge deal for two years with Sam, but thankfully, 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 they did not make the the horrible choice of signing him to another one or two year deal, which would have just walked him into unrestricted free agency. Sam Reinhardt is then signed for a six year deal at five million a year for a couple of reasons. I mean, for one, that deal is just a bargain in general. It's going to take him up to him being 30 years old, but that five million dollar mark, that is one of the key benefits of them moving him to third line center because he was still incredibly effective maybe like their third most effective forward last season uh or two seasons i should say before he signed that deal but because he had he was getting reduced five on five minutes and was more so just getting time on the first power play unit it did scale back his production a little bit if you were to then play him instead say if they kept him at wing for whatever reason So they're able to sign Sam to this really nice deal, get him locked up now up until when he's 30. And then by that point too, it'll be nice because you'll see where he's at. You're not signing him where he's, you know, 27 or 28 or something like that to like a, like a long term, like an Opozo deal. They they essentially are avoid, you know, they're going to walk up and they're going to have the option. Then when he hits unrestricted free agency, by the time he's 30, they can make a decision then. But now thankfully they just, they don't have to worry about it. None of us have to worry about it. Because that was a legitimate concern. I, I, I mean, the the two year bridge deal initially coming out of his ELC was was obviously a mistake in hindsight. I, I think anybody would admit that. Jason Botterill has pretty much almost admitted that, if we're being honest, to kind of reading between the lines with some of his comments about it. Yeah. So, getting him at least locked up for those six years now, it's just a huge weight off of their back. And I mean, five million dollars for a guy who, again. Yeah, he's your third line center and plays on your first power play, but a perennial 60 point guy playing on your third line. I'm going to take that every day, every day of the week. Absolutely. That's 100% correct. Now, an interesting thing this year with the, the draft was one of the least watched I've probably in Buffalo in more than a decade uh, because it was a weird like October draft. It it was not the normal time of year. Obviously there's a lot of distractions and they, they actually were, picked that uh, above 20. Yes. For the first time since they drafted Mark Pizik more than a decade ago, uh, they drafted Hendricks LaPierre at 21, the latest they did drafted in forever. He might end up being something. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's nice to not have to worry too much about what this first round pick means or what he could, how he having to rush him. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he, he could take he, his time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, he didn't unfortunately get to play a lot this year in the QMJHL because no one got to play a lot, but. He has next year ahead of him, so mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, so this season, you guys might all remember this, but going into it, we were a little worried about a 56-game season over less than four months with potential COVID breaks, which unfortunately that did happen to us. What would happen to the goaltending situation? And Halak, who was getting to his late 30s now, how would he hold up? Right. And luckily this year, uh, Lidus Allmark really stepped up into that starting role they, they'd been splitting early on to try to keep the workload light for both of them but I think it was clear by the end of the year in the playoffs that Allmark was the starter and he he earned it he was very good uh mm-hmm. goaltending was definitely a strength there's a time when Allmark missed some time and they still wanted to split a little bit just to make sure Halak didn't have too much of workload and that was tough to see Jonas Johansson in there he's not very good right but luckily Allmark got better he got back and the rest is history. So why don't we break down then what the lineup was coming into this season? Because I think it's well, just kind of funny to think where they're at now or where they're, I guess, at this point and where they were a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Just knowing like the depth that they have both at forward and even the defense. I mean, some of the defensemen really stepped up this year too. Yeah. Uh, so the defense is interesting. I'd say, you know, Darlene, we weren't overly impressed with his year. Unfortunately, it might be due to the weird season, the weird off season, but he came around a lot in the second half of the season. Big time. And 
Sardu hurt himself, but the good thing about the defense is there's a lot of depth. So you have Dowling and Miller, you have McCabe and Yoki Haru. Uh, McCabe played very well this year. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the end of the season and he's a UFA. So I don't know about him, but Yoki Haru is really good. And then you had Brandon Montour, who they ended up flipping. Yep. Uh, because they had enough depth. Right. They had Lawrence Pilot. They had uh, Will Borchin, who unfortunately got hurt. They had Jacob Bryson. They had Matt Irwin, who unfortunately had to play some. Yeah, it was not that great. <laughs> but Matias Samuelson uh, played as well. So they had the depth that they could flip someone like Montour, even with the injuries to McCabe and Borgen. Right. Uh, Borgen came back for the playoffs, obviously. You might all remember that. And then, like you said, that, that center depth is still there. This past offseason, they re-signed Johan Larson wisely. Uh, Very team-friendly deal. Yep. They tendered. Making uh, the playoffs helps with that kind of thing. Exactly. I mean, just going back to Sam real quick. Sam, it seemed like when he got that bridge deal, it was like, oh, if he's good, he's just gone. And then, especially after, you know, like how how 17 18 had gone and he's when he signed this extension before the season he was like well i wanted to win i'm here to win We're, let's do it and they're kind of doing it we'll get to that a little, a little bit later but yeah that center depth with eichel o'reilly sam and larson and they were really able to fill out the wings well now hall to play with eichel they were right up against the cap obviously but not resigning jeff skinner ended up being huge in this regard mm-hmm. they were able to afford hall uh and Bogosian coming off the books last year but Roslovic could play on the other side of that, the, the right side of that line, because, hey, you have Eichel and Hall. You, you don't need Gordy Howe on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a guy that can just keep up and do his job, and he did pretty well this year and paid off with his best point total in his career. O'Reilly obviously played with Ehlers again. Uh, there was a few different guys in the line throughout the season. Uh, you'd, like Curtis Lazar sometimes played up there. Off, he's, he's normally a center, but that's, t- you know, he played what he could. Uh, Riley Shane. Olafson was up and down the lineup, but really for the playoffs, Cole Caulfield settled in once uh, Stepped up. his college hockey season was over and he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I agree. A- another guy on the right side who you don't need him to be a star. And now, I mean, they're looking at, thankfully, again, as you had said, with him coming on after his college hockey season had ended, they are right up against the cap and we'll see what happens with Hall if they're able to make the money work there or if they're going to use that to maybe try and improve the defensive corpse. But you're about to have three years of Cole Caulfield at, under a million dollars against oh, the cap, which is huge. Absolutely. And I can't say enough. I know this is going back a couple of years. I can't say enough about what it means to pay 6 million for Nick Ehlers rather than paying 5.5 for Rasmus Sisalainen. Mm-hmm. Just that what that does for the value on your team. That's just an unbelievable deal. And then, so obviously the third line, you have Sam with Casey Middlestat. By the end of the year, he had earned that spot. He, he had got some healthy scratches earlier this year, but he really, really has come around to the point where he's like, 2020 40 i'm telling you right now he's he looks like he's projecting to be that kind of guy he and is over the course of a full season hopefully that's I mean, what i mean yeah. of course yeah that's what yeah. i meant over an 82 game season luckily we'll be back to those next year i can't fingers wait. crossed Ugh. uh and then we have victor olofsson who we mentioned before he being in the third line isn't the best thing in the world for him it's not the worst thing but he's someone that isn't created even strength and you should try to shelter it even strength again another strong year on the power mm-hmm. play though and then the third line, unfortunately, Zemley Skurgensen's got hurt and missed the entire season training camp. But luckily, uh, they were able to stick uh, Rasmus Asplund in there, who was a pleasant surprise. We we wanted our two roots of line in there mm-hmm. for the season. And I still would like to see more of him next year. We saw a little bit this year, uh, but Asplund was fantastic. I was not expecting fantastic for a fourth liner. Oh, yeah. Well, and think of it this way, too, especially with how the financials are going to fall this year. I mean, or this offseason, I should say, if they're able to buy out a Pozo, plug in R2, and then your fourth line is Asplund, Larson, Roostalainen. That is, that's, oh, my God. That's running four lines that can pretty much, like, score for you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And Oposo is someone that, well, you alluded to it there with the buyout. He didn't have a great year this year. However, pretty much everyone involved agreed that he was important from a leadership perspective. He's a good, hardworking guy. They should probably buy him out this offseason, but I'm glad he got to go out with a playoff appearance under his belt and a big goal. Well, and again, I think another thing, too, just just helping with the center depth. (laughs) And just depth in general for the forwards, as we had talked about with the previous offseason, uh, a huge thing is just avoiding some of the pretty bad free agent signings that had happened. Namely, I mean, the one that jumps out to me is the Edmonton Oilers giving Cody Eakin two and a half million dollars for three years. Terrible. And we were rumored to be in on Cody we, Eakin. Yeah, right. I think they outbid us, but they did outbid us and added an extra year on. Yeah. Crazy. I think, I think 
Botro wasn't huge keen on signing Larson to more than a million or two million, but someone got in his ear and was like, "Hey, you'd it's rather have analytics. this guy." It's the it's the analytics hires. I mean, the, the fact that yeah. they have joined in with the wave of teams around the league who are at least somewhat embracing it, it's paying huge dividends. Yeah. Imagine having Cody Eakin instead of like Johan Larson on that fourth line; it would tank them. Absolutely. And I mean, Larson wanted to be here, and luckily he got to be here. Uh, and then uh, in that same same pair as the, the last couple of years but so let's talk about this magical season that we just had then yeah i mean it was a strange season for most of the years again no fans yep. in the stands but that got better over the course of the season uh like we said all mark took over and had a great year with a, a, a good year in net uh they finished third in the east and man that was a close finish mm-hmm. it really looked like up to the last week uh they might not make the playoffs and that's why we were all so mad when the divisions came out and it's right. like are you goddamn kidding me? You stuck us in this division. Right. Uh, we, we're basically, you have five or six teams that we thought could be equal. And for very reasonably, for Philadelphia, teams. Yeah. yeah, Philadelphia was miles out. Uh, even the Rangers are better than them. Isn't it kind of funny too, as a, a, as a quick side note, I know you had mentioned before with having no fans in the stands, but not to say that in any way, COVID was the COVID helped, but the fact that the Sabres on a per average basis broke, the TV market uh, record this year for, for amount of viewers <laughs> per game. I couldn't Come believe it. That's, that's what I, in a COVID, that, like with the pandemic yep. going on and everything, the fact that they were able to break that record. I mean, mm-hmm. and, it, and it just goes to show, you know, eight years of a drought, you know, we're wondering like, Oh God, like when, when is this going to end? People's interest are is starting to fade at this point, at that point, you know, right before then. And then now you put a playoff team on the ice. Oh, what do you know? The fans come crawling back and everybody's back into it. And you, of course, saw that last year when they had made it into the into the playoffs, like the COVID playoffs. But again, people really didn't know what was going to happen just because of the of the stoppage. And so, you know, it was kind of eh. and then they make it in the playoffs. They win a series and it just completely reignites the fan base to a point where I don't like throwing this around, but it kind of felt reminiscent of 2006, 2007 again. Absolutely. I mean, the ratings were right back up there. Got Sky. Like, yeah, exactly. Past them. Um, with everything opening up, up again and COVID numbers going down and vaccines going up, it's been, it's been crazy, but I think it's worth looking at how, you know, how close this was at the end. We didn't know. I mean, for a long time, all, all five or six top teams are close. Philadelphia falls off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's, it's getting to the end of the year and it's clear that Pittsburgh is going to be one capitals are going to be two. And then it's like us, the Islanders in Boston. Right. And Boston has a bad last couple of weeks and they had a weird year. They, their backup goaltending wasn't good behind Rask. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rask getting up there in years, he couldn't play with this 56 games being so close together. You knew guy, a backup was going to play, you know, decent amount of a games, third or more of your games. And they just couldn't get a good backup in. They, they haven't since we, since we outbid him for a lock a couple of years ago, they just haven't been able to get that guy. And they ended up finishing fifth. The Islanders are fourth. We're third. Uh, the Islanders end up upsetting the penguins mm-hmm. and we end up upsetting the capitals uh revenge we end up finishing the year i should say 33 15 and 8 uh yeah we beat the caps in six and a big part of that was a guy we've mentioned a couple of times linus allmark and another big part of that was the caps goaltending which was destroyed by the not good offense. yeah i i would i would say it's a little bit of the sabers have played very well on offense and a, a lot of bit of the Capitals goaltending, but Linus Olmark, 935 in the series. Mm-hmm. Vitek Vanacek and Elias Samsonov, a combined 890. Crazy. What do you say? Uh, not good. What I will say though, probably my favorite part about this series was that we were able to go to the clinching game six. Like how yes. cool was that to be able to be back after a year of not being able to really do anything for that matter I mean, and again, you know, not to get too political, but like, thank God for President Sanders for his rollout of the COVID vaccine and and just the the distribution. And now, I mean, we're at a point here where we're sitting here in June and 80% of the population in the country is vaccinated. Unbelievable. So now it's like next year, I mean, it's crazy. Everyone was like, oh my God, there's no way a former running back is going to be a good president. And I was like, just wait and see, just wait and see, give it a chance. And look what happened. (laughs) I mean, at least the vaccine rollout's gone well. I mean, we'll see how everything else goes. Majority leader James Woods has been a little bit. Uh, <laughs> he's 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 made some interesting threats, so I, I don't want to get too much into the into the, the weeds of the politics. But uh, but yeah, so, such a fun series because the Sabers' big guns were the guys that brought it home. Uh, Eichel again uh, throughout the playoffs was great. Thirteen points in in the playoff games. 
uh, in 12 games, 6, 7, 13. And then O'Reilly had five goals, uh, eight assists for 13. And Cole Caulfield stepped up with five goals and eight points. Uh, now, a lot of that scoring happened in the Capitals series. Capitals, no surprise to anyone, really fell off. Uh, we're not good in the first round. Goaltending failed them. No surprise. Next series, again, no surprise. The Islanders uh, did what they did and tried to ground us into dust. Allmark was good again, but probably not good enough. Mm-hmm. And the scoring definitely took a nosedive of that series. And Ilya Sorokin had a, a really good series against us. Stepped up. Yeah, so what are you going to do? I mean, I think I think looking now, we kind of looking into the future, there are a lot of questions. I mean, the Sabres are – I have had so much fun with them being the playoff team they have. But they are not a, a cup contending team or anything like that. And I think there's some some reasonable questions going forward. Uh, what are we going to do with Hall? He's he's not a restricted free agent. He hasn't really indicated what he you know whether he wants to stay or go or what he wants to do. Uh, Victor Olafson, what are we going to do with him? I mean, he's an interesting piece. He's a potential trade piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oposo, he might get bought out. That's that's something to look at. Jurgensen's is coming back here. Do we have room for him in the lineup? He was probably. That was kind of the bad move, I don't think underrated so. bad move coming into the season. They signed him to a three-year deal. Yep. I wasn't sure about that. I think they just wanted to give some fourth liner a three-year deal. So right. luckily they got, they got that done somehow. And then you have other guys, uh, Jake McCabe's a free agent. Yeah. Uh, Darlene, we'll see where he goes. Uh, we'll see is, is Samuelson or Jacob Bryson, really NHL defenseman. What are they going to do now? Uh, you know, Linus Olmark is a free agent technically. I mean, he's indicated that he wants to stay, but Who's going to be the other option? Yeah. Along with Halak. I mean, but that's Halak's the thing. Halak's contract's up. He's an unrestricted free agent. We're already hearing rumors, though, about the Sabres being in on some some pretty marquee guys. I mean, the most recent one that had come out last week, you know, after they had just gotten bumped from the playoffs, is that Dougie Hamilton might be a possibility on the blue line, and you throw him into the mix. Obviously, they're going to have to figure out some of the financials, but if you have a guy like McCabe coming off the books, you have Opposo Halls, buyout. <laughs> Opposo buyout, exactly. Like Dougie Hamilton could be huge. And then also, you know, who's your um, 1B going to be with Allmark or your 1A for that matter? You know, Peter Mrazek led the Hurricanes to a playoff to the playoffs this year. He's a possibility. Philip Grubauer is out there. He's Chris a possibility. Dreiger, again, he stepped up for Florida this year. So they have options for sure of some guys, but Absolutely. I'm very curious to see how they're going to fill that in. It's so nice, though, again, to not really have to worry about what they're going to do at forward. Absolutely. Huge forward. set. Set. Finally. So this year, though, I think I think things really started to look up in spring because the Sabres really hit their stride at some point in March. And, you know, it starts to get warm around here and then colder again and then warm again and then couple weeks there it's really beautiful description of the weather and then it's and then it's warm finally uh but joking aside things really started to open up in new york state uh governor nixon like really like played it really safe throughout these past few months surprising for richard nixon's grandson too you would think you know like grandfather like grandson but he was actually uh did a pretty good job of handling things that's true yeah i mean he did love to you know drink whiskey in his office and yell about Navy football. But I think he's, he's done a good job with the pandemic. Uh, so we think started to open up around here and it's like, well, we could have 1000 fans at the Sabres game. And that's all that like crazy. We couldn't mm-hmm. get me and Brendan couldn't get in at all. He's a season ticket holder. Yeah. His dad couldn't get in. Right. Then we'll allow 2000 fans and then more and more Then we'll allow vaccinated fans. We'll allow some front line, front line workers. And then that just kept going. And then, you know, finally the playoffs are here. And we're, we're going to a clinching game, me and Brendan, you know, using a season tickets and it's, there's, there's 9,000 fans in there. I think you had to be vaccinated or get a test. Felt like 90,000. Yeah. It's loud. They win. It was rocking. Uh, Kyle Oposo scores a goal, his first playoff goal. And I was like, well, you know, what a nice send off for mm-hmm. someone like him that's worked so hard and gone through so much. Uh, it was just an unbelievable feeling. And it's, you know, it was really tough throughout this pandemic in some ways for people that really took it seriously not just for all the basic reasons, but also seeing the number of people that didn't take it seriously or people that couldn't be trusted, people that aren't community-minded. Uh, that that was tough to see how many people just don't care about those things or, or how selfish they are. But I think the Sabres kind of made it feel a little bit more like you are in a community again. That you, you know, you're the people that, you know, you're around, that you trust, that you respect and you love and you, you know, you're in something together, something, you know, that's larger and more important than your individual uh, selfish needs, which is... Uh, that was beautiful. It was a, it was a really nice feeling. That was a beautiful, I, beautiful sentiment. There. And I think it all started with you know some dork in like a a blue button down and uh, 
khaki pants saying, you know, hey, maybe we just hang on to O'Reilly for one year and see what happens. Mm-hmm. This is a smart move. I mean, it, it was huge. That that really was the thing that changed everything. I think there, like you had said at the top of the episode, there were unfortunately a lot of people who were calling for his head after that press con or after the locker room cleanout. Yeah, but that's the sign of an organization, you know, of what kind of organization you are. On the one hand, you could be one that is a perennial failure and you try and get people to buy in by saying, Oh, well, you know, we want guys who want to be here or you can make people want to be here. And I think that Jason Botterill looked at that comment and said, this guy, maybe he's not saying he doesn't want to be here, but he's clearly showing that we're not doing a good enough job of making him want to really be here and want to love to come to work every day. And, you know, rather than just putting out, you know, empty statements about, loving the city and and the fans and everything like that like they actually put their money where their mouth was and they went out and they made the moves that they needed to make and now you're looking at a completely different franchise as as what we had seen three years ago I mean my god Taylor do you remember like after (laughs) after year eight of the drought people were literally just wanted the Pagulas complete just blasted into the stratosphere and now they still kind of want that, but it's a lot more toned down. It's a lot more toned down. Yeah. So it, it is, uh, it has gotten a lot friendlier on Sabres Twitter as well. I mean, there's some people that are still upset that we don't have Versa line in anymore. Uh, but that's kind of just a few nutbags. Isn't I it think. weird that like, I feel like it's been a big adjustment period for having to get used to people being like happy and excited. Oh I, yeah. About the Sabres on and Twitter. Are, there's, there's still people arguing about, you know, oh, you shouldn't have had people over to watch the game, that kind of stuff. But people going, I'm vaccinated. Maybe we should have lost judgment about this because I think people, you know, always when you open up and people are doing things safely, mm-hmm. <laughs> it does make sense. But I think a lot of the arguments are like, the biggest argument I saw on Twitter this year is who's who's the team MVP this year? A lot of people like me thought it was Eichel, but, you know, there's a lot of reasonable opinions you can have about Absolutely. dealers or ROR. I mean, ROR definitely or is up there even the Linus Allmark, the way he played. Absolutely. So... You know, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's we're a good here. Feeling to have. We're Absolutely. here. I, I, I am. I, and, and you know what? Two years in a row of saying I'm excited for next season. That's crazy. Amazing. I, I haven't thought that in forever. You know, even in my more unreasonable days in the past, I never really thought that. But, you know, it, there's a lot. There's a lot going on now that the Sabres offseason. Obviously, we'll be covering all the things we just mentioned, all those questions in the upcoming episodes. But there's some other things, too. We got movies are back. Live music is back, you know. I personally, I just saw uh, the new, brand new Star Wars film, the uh, Star Wars story, Dexter Jetster, which I thought was fantastic. It was, I enjoyed it too. It was nothing like these other movies. That I feel like, you know, usually you can tell like Disney has so much control, but this was really, really heartbreaking. And, and the scene where he watches his father get stabbed to death by the, uh, those uh, like Naboo gangsters. Oh. Like that was heart powerful yeah powerful. Really stuff. and i think you know maybe maybe finally a star wars movie will be nominated for an oscar I, that would be pretty cool i mean in and speaking of big releases too i think if we'd be remiss to say if we didn't also make mention of kendrick lamar and j cole's covid collaboration album which people have been asking for for years and years and then finally due to the pandemic they decided they were going to do it and that is seemingly going to win Probably best best album, best rap album at the Grammys this year. I mean, it's looking like it could be a clean sweep for that one. And I'm especially excited, too. It's just a little bit of breaking news. But actually, two days ago, Taylor and I scored our tickets and uh, are going to be seeing them on their uh, world tour that they're going on. That's right. But even before that, our, our return to live music, this is why we got to go. We're, we're really running late right now. We got to get to the Machine Gun Kelly concert. We're in the box between Megan Fox and Derek Roy. And I guess there's been some troubles in paradise. Right. So maybe we're going to have to play Mr. Fix-its, Mr.'s Fix-its. Maybe. Ha- it could be. Yeah. I mean, or maybe we'll just make things worse. Who knows? It could be. This is an endless, endless possibilities this summer of 2021. Really is. But you know what the best part of it all is? We don't have to worry about our hockey team sucking. That's right. The Buffalo Sabres are something you can rely on. Wow. It's a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, do you have any other thoughts you want to share? No, we'll be back uh, on Monday with our Monday show. Uh, so be sure to check out our, our sponsors, uh, SeatGeek. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Fred's, uh, Fred Flintstone Vitamins, which are not related to the cartoon. Uh, I understand this is a guy that sells uh, tiny rocks and puts them in a glass bottle and calls them Fred Flintstone's Vitamins. Freddie Flintstone. Freddie Flintstone. Excuse me. Yes. 
Uh, so yeah, we'll have the ad reads for that next week. And uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, have a good weekend, everyone. Yeah, I hope you all have a have a really great weekend. And, and thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. We also uh, would be remiss if we didn't mention our other sponsor of the show, which is DraftKings, of course. Uh, Sabres, unfortunately, just got bounced from the playoffs from the Islanders. But if you're feeling like betting on the Islanders in the next round, Pretty cool now, especially too, considering that gambling is legalized in or sports gambling and betting is now legalized in New York State. So if you're trying to do daily fantasy or just regular uh, regular old gambling online, hit up DraftKings and use our promo code THPN. Once again, that's promo code THPN. And as Taylor said, we will be back with our episode next week. And as we're starting to get a little bit closer too to the expansion draft and also the NHL draft, we'll see what the Sabres options are going to be for who they're going to end up having to give up and who might be available to them where it is seeming now, like we're probably going to be picking in like the 22 to 24 range, give or take, which is yeah. nice too, because this is a pretty unpredictable draft. There's really no clear cut top end player at the top of the draft. And we don't really know how the depth is in it either. So usually these drafts, even though there might be some uncertainty at the top, it usually means that one or two guys trickles down. So thankfully we don't have to be at the top making the decision on who to pick there. Don't have to worry about that, but we will be picking it in the twenties. As I had said, we'll find that out once we get through uh, the rest of the playoffs here. That's right. That's right. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of straight up Sabres. Thank you so much.